When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So um, we've got a new exciting free beer offer on Footballistically Arsenal. As a loyal listener of the show, we can reward you with free beer thanks to our friends at beer52.com. You have the opportunity to sip eight free exclusive craft beers from around the world. All you need to do is go to beer52.com forward slash Arsenal and cover just £4.95 for the postage. What's more, Footballistically Arsenal listeners get two extra free beers, so that's a total of 10 free beers. And just if you're wondering who Beer 52 are, they are pioneers. They go across the globe to find the best and most interesting beer from the greatest small batch breweries on the planet. And um, they have themes. They deliver cases with different themes, including Germany, Korea, Norway, South Africa, California, Finland, and many more. Um, and the beauty of Beer 52 is they don't hold you to ransom. There's no lock-in. You can leave any time, but your first box will be sent to you the next day. So just go to beer52.com forward slash Arsenal to get your first case of eight beers for free. And don't forget, um, footballistically, Arsenal customers get an extra two beers free. That's beer52.com forward slash Arsenal. Hello and welcome to Footballistically Arsenal. I am Boyd Hill. Opposite me is sidekick, psychic Joshua Landy. Boyd, the first thing I want to do is wish you a very happy birthday for yesterday. Thank you very much. We have beers in front of us which we yeah. can toast your birthday with. How was your birthday? It was pretty momentous because um, not only did Arsenal win, yes, which was absolutely unheard of and a remarkable moment in the history of football... But I hosted, uh, I didn't, I was at the time that the game was going on, I was hosting an event at the, for the BBC at the BFI, British Film Institute, screening of the new series of Dracula, made by um, the people who made Sherlock. And, um, and it was good, yeah, it was exciting. And Were then, you keeping updated? Yeah, I mean, I was keeping Not up, easy? No, I mean, I wasn't really consciously looking at my phone or anything. But obviously I'm part of a WhatsApp group with like, you know, Derm, people I go to football with Dermot, Dan, sure. etc. And they, talk, we, they always talk about it. So I was aware of it in, in, in the background on my phone. Yeah. But I was, then, I, was, I was actually interviewing people on stage in front of about 500 people, so I couldn't just... No, fair monitor. enough. You yeah. couldn't just update them and no. go, oh, there's good news. No. Martinelli's got his first yeah. Premier League goal for the club. No. But you watched the whole thing back. Yeah, so then I got back, so then I knew, I saw the score first. I knew we were 1-0 down, and that was, I was like, oh, fuck. And then um, by the time I finished interviewing the people on stage... Um, then I saw we won. I was 
thrilled. And then I got home. I got home for the seven minutes of extra time. Injury time. Injury time. Thank you. <laughs> There's always one stickler. And um, and then I was for the post match analysis, which I watched. And then, of course, as I am a stickler for watching for for, for keeping up with how we're playing, I watched the whole game back pretty much. I mean, I had the odd moment in the first hour where I did fast forward a little bit, but not much. Most of it I watched anyway. But so it was all in all. It was a uh, tremendous night on my birthday. But we're also joined by a a new guest, a newbie, uh, Sam Gilbert on Dream Team of the Sun. Hello there. Hello, Sam. Who's kind of, you're kind I mean, you're the the Arsenal fan on the desk. Best described as the Arsenal fan on the desk. I, you know, I sit next to, directly next to a Spurs fan, Chelsea, Liverpool, pretty much every other Premier League club under the sun who is doing better than us right now. So... It's not been an easy season, but no, you know. And one of your and one of your jobs, I guess, one of your main things you do, you send out the Arsenal newsletter. Yes. So which, I, which I've mentioned before, which I which I read avidly. Um, Thank you. Is that weekly? Yeah, weekly. Yeah. yeah. So uh, you know, the the Monday or the Tuesday after after the game every week. Yeah. And you also do memes and things like that, which is what the kids like on the internet. These the days. kids love. They the love memes. a meme. They now, my, here's my question to you about the memes. Sure. Do you plan them in advance, the memes, or do you have to respond? as and when things are going on during the game and then come up with a meme to match the moment? Is that part of what you do? do is, is it a mix of both? So it's, it's, yeah, it's a good meme-related question, that. And, yeah. uh, you know, I don't want to break the illusion here, but sometimes the memes are pre-planned. We will have a, a folder of... I've got a question on that. Okay. What is the greatest meme you've prepped that you couldn't bring to fruition because things didn't go the way no. you hoped for the meme? Good point. Wow. Or mean, are you keeping it stored in hope that history repeats mm. itself and you can bring it back out. I can't think of one off the top of my head, but there's been plenty of occasions where we've had memes and sketches made up and then the, the situation just hasn't happened. There was... Um, the, we have one specifically about Arsenal's bubble bursting last season on the 22-match the unbeaten run. And, it, you know, we'd like to talk about it. It just didn't happen until, you know, another game, one down, one down, all the way up to 22. We eventually got it out then, but that was a bit of a long build-up build up for that one. Because we actually managed to get 22 yeah. beaten games. It's going to feel a long time ago. Difficult to believe. 22 games I'd be into going, what, nine without a win until uh, yeah. sort of last 64 yeah. days without a Premier League win. 64 that was... days. That was incredible, wasn't it? Um, well, let's talk about the game last night. You were there. You went to the... I went. It was only my second away game stadium. of the uh, season. Yeah, London Stadium. Yeah. Tim Payton, occasionally of this uh, yeah. parish, and Gareth the Bear Parker, both with me last night. Oh, amongst trio. others. Yeah, real. Well, and, and others. You Power know. trio. Others as well. <laughs> It was really awful until about 60 minutes. And actually, mm. Ben, who was, uh, would sit occasionally or used to be of this parish, who was in America, messaging me, going, I'm in meetings, keep me updated. And I sent him at half-time a review of the first half. <laughs> and then he only replied about you know, 25 minutes later, going, what on earth are you talking about? This is great. You're mm. talking like you know, a load mm. of nonsense. And it, I totally didn't see it coming. No. We were genuinely thinking, right, We've got 19 points. This is going to be 16 games. Well, City, not going to win that. Everton have got a bounce. Chelsea, we're suddenly going, fuck, are we going to be in the relegation zone? And yet, yeah, 30 minutes later. A lot of, a lot of um, things. Things is a terrible word. A lot of... Um, Discussion points? N- no, I'm, I'm, I'm formulating this sentence as, as I'm thinking. I'm very tired today, by the way, because, you know... Deadlines? Deadlines. I've done three, I think, interviews today already for various things. I've done. I hosted an event this morning, straight after one last night for Netflix. You know, oh, Jennifer Saunders was there. It's terrible. I've been this, doing yeah, so it's an money. exhausting day. Yeah, I know, I know. Um, but what I, was, what I was trying to say was, last night's game crystallised for me 
the all kinds of things about football. I'm going to make some big points here, Sam. <laughs> For example, you know, the difference between, the knife-edge difference between success and failure, happiness and tragedy, <laughs> I wanted to put too fine a point on it, was abs- summed up by that game because we were absolutely terrible um, for the first hour, first half, and then first 15 minutes. We almost got worse. The first bit of the second half was almost worse than the first half, I mean, uh, you know, somehow. Um, you felt like the end of the last game, this is, what I'm, this is the point I was making, the, the end of the last game, the Brighton game, which was a, a new low, losing, you know, yeah. felt like a new low. And what really depressed me about that, because I've been saying for ages and ages, since Wenger left, I've been saying... I was happy for anything to happen pretty much to us. And I was happy to do that Chelsea-style finish 10th the season after you, you get rid of your big manager. Because I thought the highs would be high and the lows might be lower. But you just have to accept that. You know? And I have been saying that genuinely, as I'm sure Josh will remember, constantly. So I, you know, I've never felt particularly depressed. Even you know, Josh, Josh was saying, well, you know, we've had our lowest moments, he can remember, under Emery recently. But I was never that depressed. I got really miserable and depressed for the first time in ages in the Brighton game. And it was not so much the loss, it was the players afterwards shouting at each other, fighting at each other, or, or Bamiyang having a go at Joe Willock. Yeah, that was a horrible that, moment. That was a horrible moment. When they went off, um, Ozil seemed to have a go at Lacazette. I'm like, what right have you who've let us down, Ozil? I, mean, I know he's a brilliant player, but come on, anyone with any objective view of him... He's had as many games where he's let us down as he had when he's done brilliantly. And to suddenly have a go at Lacazette, who is not in great form at the moment, was unbelievable at the end of that game. All that infighting, the, the atmosphere seemed to be terrible. Yeah. And Lundberg didn't seem to have much of a clue of how to sort it out. And yet, so we come into this game, first hour, carrying all, on all of that, terrible, terrible, terrible. And then one goal out of nothing transforms the whole thing. And then the three goals in the 15 minutes. And so my, this is what this, spiel, this speech is. It's like... Actually, when you when you think about it, all the issues about Cronky and the ownership, the managers, who's going to be the next manager, this, that and the other, it all kind of falls away. And all it is about is just results and just winning a fucking game. And our, this, this run of not winning a game really puts into perspective what it's all about. Because we just won one game and it feels so special and, and brilliant and amazing. And I'm absolutely delirious with happiness. And particularly, and so are the players. That is the other thing. The, the players are the same, like all hugging each other, like they've never won a game of football in their lives because they practically hadn't. So all this speech, what I'm saying is, is like, actually, that's what it's about, isn't it? So I think if we carry, if we, you know, if we end up being City, I mean, I'm not, we'll get into that later, but if we just actually take on this, we're two points away or one point away from being fifth or sixth, we're now ninth, aren't we? We're five points away from relegation zone before last night. All of these things are just on a knife edge, aren't they? Do you know what I'm trying to say, Sam, in that very long yeah. and well, long-winded spiel? Yeah, no, you, you hit the nail on the head there. The margins are, are so fine. Um, the, the table is, is, is a bizarre one this season. It's, it's so squished from, from fifth down to, down to 15th, really. Yeah. Um, as I say, we went into that game looking over our shoulders and... Now the blind optimist that I am, I'm, you know, I'm saying to myself, we're only seven points off the top four again. Um, but you know, those margins as well. Had Martinelli not found the bottom corner, there had Klasnach done what he normally does in those situations and rifled it across the box aimlessly. Yeah, he's something like, magic to brilliant cross out of nowhere. Yeah, so yeah. you know, it's things like that. How that's you know, yeah. That's yeah. pigs flying stuff. Yes. But didn't you feel that Freddie, after the day, was trying to rein it in? Because it felt like the questions he was being fed on Sky were, yeah, about the 
great oh. to win and you must feel brilliant. Yeah. He was like, no, he's... congratulations to the players. Yeah. They've done it. It's only one win. Now we've got to think about the next game. So it wasn't getting carried away. Oh, no, completely. He's a straight down the line interim manager. Bloke. Yeah, proper. But, oh, no, no. I mean, he's, he knows what the fuck he's doing. He, he know, he's a sensible, clever, intelligent, experienced you know, football person who has been given this job in interim and he's absolutely being real about it all, I think, you know, in every level. So he's no bullshit, you know. I, I like that about him. I love that about him. And I thought his response, as you say, was very real. And he didn't really do anything, did he? I mean, there was no tactical change in that second half. Maybe, I, I, I think he might... The one thing that we did, at, you know, after 15 minutes of tedium, suddenly they, were, they, they increased the pace but then, and kept up the pace. But that seemed to all come from that, that goal by Martinelli. In Freddie's defence... Yeah, I will. I will stick up from here because what I found really interesting is David Luiz being dropped is a decision I've been crying out for since. Yeah, we should talk about we should talk about team selection. That's a very good point. So yeah, right. What did you think when the team was announced? Um, so I was getting ready to host this thing, and I was, I was surprised. I'm really surprised. He was although actually Darren Arsenal. He shows how how much how inside he is. Oh, he won't. He won't even probably like saying that. But he said bring in the, the day bringing the changes. And I was like, yeah. oh, what does that mean? And then he did. And you're right, because Louise, I have to, you know, I hold up my hands. I'm, I, hopefully I'm not one of those um, annoying football fans who constantly refuses to accept when they're wrong. I actually thought, I believed the hype about Louise. I thought, I know he makes mistakes, but I thought maybe, you know, the experience will settle down our, settle down our defence. Maybe his long balls that he does. But in fact, he's been shit, hasn't he? Let's face he's it, he's been, been awful. I, honestly, I'd put him, his start to his Arsenal career so far, I'd put him Scolacci level... That, yeah. that sort of, I think, he's yeah. been terrible. He's cost us, cost us games, really. Um, so what I found interesting was Freddie, Freddie dropping him and the fact he then stuck to it as well, even when Bellerin got injured in the yeah. warm-up. He could have brought Louise in, moved Chambers out to right-back, but Freddie was clearly... Clearly, he, he's had enough of David Louise as well. The point well, where he's he just giving not... everyone a chance there. I mean, it, let's not forget, it was only two games ago, and Mustafi was given a, a chance at centre-back. There's a bit no, of rotation... I think yesterday felt like, but he had right. He had very little time, didn't he? To, I mean, almost no time to prepare for that first game um, when he was made interim manager. He brought in Mustafi. Uh, I know, Norwich. but he was. I, I just think that was like felt like a short term. Right, I'll, I'll try this. You but know, you he, Mustafi had played well, hadn't he, in the European game? Well, well, you know, by standards. I mean, well, is, well was not the right word. Did we lose he, that game. We lost. Yeah, all right. Yeah, well, we anyway, are you but, suggesting that is, David Luiz is now going to be? Dropped for the foreseeable. Do you, I, I, would I think so. he'll play Sunday. Oh, I don't. I don't. Know. I, don't I don't. I don't. So what? You mean what? I think he won't. Yeah, have... I think he'll play against Man City. What? So what, what, why would he? Why though? Why? Why? It's, it's rotated team. It's, you know. No, I don't think I don't you're going to just get a, this. I don't think this is now just automatically the team. You got. He's got three games this week. He's got to get this team ready for. Oh, I don't oh. think David Luiz has been as bad as you're, you seem to be making out right now. I think he's been terrible. I, I mean, yeah. Yeah. no, I'm not. It, I, I really think Freddie. I think Freddie's done with him. The fact that he brought in Maitland-Niles when he could have just, as I say, shifted yeah. Chambers right yeah. back, dropped David Luiz in. But I also, think I think was... you're right. And I think what that showed was that he had a very specific plan for this, you know. I think, like, I've been saying that he thought, like, clearing, clearing the head, you know, having a think about the fact that Luiz has been incredibly disappointing and has not had any palpable effect on improving the defence. I mean, that's just a fact. Would you not think Socrates... But, I can't get over this. No, Socrates is terrible as well. But, bringing, but making Chambers... Giving a Chambers a chance yep. at centre. That was the key decision. Yep, fair play. I mean, it was, it was probably touch and go, maybe, whether he paired him with Socrates or Louise. But I think probably made sense just from who plays in which, which side of the central defence, if you like. But he, clearly his plan was to have the attacking fullbacks, um, at, you know, at that Pantini and Bellerin, and them kind of interchanging and going, and going at pace... 
I mean, I'm not saying this happened, obviously, because it didn't, because Bell, because of the injury in the warm-up, which was really annoying, and then Tierney getting injured in, during the game, which yeah. was terrible luck. But clearly his plan was to have pace, wasn't it? For me, like the one thing he clearly was saying was, Luis hasn't been great, so I'll put Chambers in there, because Chambers should have been given a chance at centre-back. I'll have the two full-backs, I'll have two very fast wingers, and Alba, and dropping Lacazette. Dropping Lacazette is another big decision, who had scored, you know, he scored that... The goal, really good header, three yeah. goals in three games, I think. You know, and people have been saying, I know, you know, some people have been slagging him off. I still love him, but he hasn't, his form hasn't been great, and he was coming back from injury. So all, all those decisions made sense to me in terms of his picking the team. They had a plan, at least. Yeah, I was, I was, I couldn't really fault the, the team selection when I saw it. But as I say, Martinelli was a, a bold inclusion, dropping Lacazette, and uh, it paid off. As I say, yeah. I, I think we do have to give Freddie some credit for that. The, as you mentioned, there, the plan about the, the pace out wide, the overlapping fullbacks, he wasn't getting prepared. I know Maitland-Niles isn't a right-back, but with Chambers, it's more of a square peg in a, in a round hole there. Um, so but he's I, played in that position a lot, isn't he? I mean, yeah, for us, yeah. yeah. But Do mate, you not think, just looking at the way that the, the team was sort of, you know, put out there last night, Freddie said in his post-match interview that they were effectively waiting for West Ham to get tied. So I think, again, on the tactical side... He's kind of looked at West Ham and gone, yeah. maybe keep it nil-nil for an hour. Maybe try and stay in the game. Obviously, yeah. weren't one, you know, yeah. went one nil down. But it seemed Freddie, and just in his answers post-match, was absolutely like, had sort of conviction yeah. that if they could stay in the game for an hour, well, West Ham would tie, get the ball out wide, start yeah. playing it faster, and they'd make the opportunities. So he might be bluffing, but he seemed absolutely to argue his point on that. Yeah, I think it makes sense. I think it's, it's possible. I'm sure he wasn't expecting us to play that badly and, and not yeah. create any chances. I mean, well, we've not what do we won... have? We have the header from Ozil that yeah. went over. Yeah, and... there wasn't one shot on target. Put it that way in the first half. Yeah, um, and I, and I don't think that was part of his plan. But I think yes. Yeah, so, but certainly, it was two nervous teams. This is the other thing I wanted to say. The other, the confidence factor is so. You, I don't think you can overestimate the extent to which confidence has been a, a bizarre problem for us. Can you remember back, just... a worse period of confidence? No. This I can't. Well, but actually, well, again, it, goes, but it does go back. It goes back years and years and years. And I think, you know, we lost confidence. The side has been a weird mix of no confidence and assuming it'll be fine for years and years and years and years and years. And it's now, and it's now reached this peak lack of confidence. Last night, was thank God we were playing a team even less confident than us. Correct. That, you know, and they, but it was two nervy, unbelievably nervy teams, scared of playing football. And then all it took was that goal, that Martinelli goal. I mean, I thought he was great, by the way. Yeah. Um, and Pepe. I want to talk about Pepe in a minute. But those young players who maybe are slightly more fearless yeah. than the old players. I thought Ozil, you know, I mean... Okay. okay, but again, you know, not look scared really of being of being his normal self. You know, every, everyone I think they all do. They all do, yeah. But it's extraordinary, isn't it, that, the, that how scared they can be, and then how it can turn on a dime, and within a minute of scoring that goal, they all suddenly they're flying football. They're and doing we had some, flicks. Yeah, we had some swagger, Sw- massive yeah, swagger, absolute swagger. That but last it's, it was brilliant. It's mind blowing to me that difference, though. And again, how it's like we can bang on about. You know the tactics and the Emery era and all of that, and how, but we clearly can, and how people saying it suddenly decided the squad's terrible. When I think you know the beginning of the season, I think most people actually thought the squad was really good. Yeah. Um, obviously, we should have signed a central defender. But again, it's like when you see we can play like that for 15 minutes and score three goals in that time with speed and skill and brilliant quick passing. Why can't we just do what, now? Can we possibly carry on doing that? 
it's, it's bizarre. Every, as you say, everyone knows this team, especially in the in the final third, is, is so dangerous with the players we have, and it's it's strange how much of a, a big part confidence plays in it. It's basically an, an invisible twelfth man out there, really. If, if you get confidence on your side, then then you know it's, it's a big win. And I just give full credit to Martinelli. As you say, he's 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 dragged that team up from from nothing yesterday. He's had to drag players like Ozil and. I thought Aubameyang was quite quiet even before that. So yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I was, I was yeah. so impressed with Yeah, he was brilliant. Yeah, eighteen years old, wasn't he? He's was eighteen years old. Some, some of the, the physical stats after the game as well. You know, made the most tackles. Yeah, he worked so hard. Most blocks, right. yeah. uh, more sprints than any other Arsenal player on the pitch. Yeah. It was very. It was a very Alexis-like performance. If I can yeah. heap, heap pressure on him and yeah. compare him to a, a former player. Um, no, that's a good comparison because because yeah, the period when Alexis played, you know, in in a kind of fast front front three or four was one of the golden periods of us. So that's the season where he scored like thirty goals or whatever. Yeah, sure. I mean that. Do, do we think though? Uh, before we talk about you know, kind of in general, what happened? The, dropping Lacazette because a lot of people have been saying for quite a long time that Aubameyang and Lacazette can't play together because it means that Lacazette's in the middle and Orbas out wide, which is not his best place. So. Were you in favour of that? Do you think that is true that they can't, they shouldn't, they shouldn't play together, and that it was a good thing that Lacazette was dropped, and that was a key element, or is it slightly unlucky for Lacazette to be considered now the dispensable one? I think it was good to try it last night. I'm still of the opinion that Lacazette and Aubameyang can work if, if it's as a two, if it is a, a three with Aubameyang on the left. I do think it was good to try it though. You know, we had to we had to mix something up. Something had to change to to get a result last night. Um, but I'm, you know, Lacazette is still a quality striker, especially at home. We know his qualities. I think we'll we'll definitely need him on Sunday against Man City. Um, oh, so no, yeah, well, okay. Because well, we're wondering whether you think he'll play against Man City. I do. I think he'll come back into the team. Wouldn't you be tempted to start the game with that team that won that started I think playing really well in it, that game last night? The issue there is no. <laughs> with with you're um, shaking your head. Josh is shaking his head. Go on. I don't think he will. I, I don't know if I would, but I just think Martinelli. Was, yeah. Will probably find himself back on the bench. You don't want to, as exciting as he is and has been playing. You don't want to heap a load of pressure on him and put him in that situation. In my opinion, I think Lacazette is the perfect player for Man City. He he loves the big games. The Spurs, Spurs last year, Chelsea last year, mm. Man United at home last year. This is a this is a prime game for Lacazette and Aubameyang, and I think what a, what a sub to bring on in Martinelli. He'll add something off the bench that I don't think Lacazette could. That injection of pace to get him behind sort of a tiring Man City defence. I think Martinelli's te- a huge bonus this year. I mean, yeah. to make an obvious point, yeah. there is no way that when he was signed, there was an expectation from whatever I said that he was going to play a significant amount of first team football. You know, it was a huge shock. Newcastle on the opening day, he came on for some minutes as a, mm. as a substitute, but now to see him. Come in, obviously, you know, one thing doing it against Nottingham Forest or Standard Liège or one, one of the teams in, you know, the cup competitions. It's come on and put in a, a brilliant shift, really, you know, in terms of the circumstance of having such negativity around the team at the moment. Took his goal so well, was busy, industrious. Now we really have an option off the bench, if it is Lacazette and Aubameyang already on the pitch. Because we always had a moment, was it the Brighton game, where I th- with Lacazette did go off, I think, and Martinelli came on. As a substitute, mm. 
And you're sort of wondering, is Lacazette sort of like, oh, what are you bringing on this kid for me for? But now there's none of that. There, I, mean, there, well, I think Lacazette's Legitimately, very, yeah. here, is a, here is a player that deserves 20 I, minutes. I, I really, but I think Lacazette's very professional about those things. I mean, even when he was dropped, you know, like, remember you, I think Venger dropped him when he, you know, for big games sometimes. Mm. And he's dealt with it very well. And it, I mean, he never seems to throw a strut when he's substituted. He's always, I think he's, but I think, I think, <laughs> Josh is questioning that. I think he might be tempted to stick with that line forward lineup because of the pace factor. Wouldn't he see? Because Man United, where Man United beat City, they picked all of their fast front players, didn't they? They get Martial. Um, what's his name? Dan James. Thank you. And Rashford. Uh, and, Rash- and, Rash- and I think he's surely you look at that and you go, well, I, I, I'm going to pick my fastest players because the one thing Lacazette hasn't got as much of is pace. Mm. I mean, I, re- I love him, but I think he might keep, stick with that with that with that front. With that front lineup, it's a good point there. To, if we if we want to follow the blueprint of United's success against City, that it was counter, counter, yeah, counter. Yeah. They got so much joy from that. The issue with that, will, will City maybe learn from that? Sit a bit deeper. Will they yeah. play differently, seeing as it's away from home as opposed to the Etihad this time round? I just think Lacazette will have a chip chip on his shoulder now. You say he's professional, but he wouldn't have been happy. To, oh no! To not play. I'm not he saying he'll be happy. happy to not even get off the bench. So I think he'll have he'll have a point to prove on Sunday. And, and sure, you know, a pissed off Lacazette is is a good. Yeah. Oh, player. I mean, I'd be happy if he does play. I just want to be one day. Yeah. Let's. We'll talk more about the game. I want to talk particularly about Pepe after this break. Hello and welcome to Seeing Red, a true crime podcast brought to you by me, Mark and my co-host Bethan. Each week we take a deep dive into the dark world of true crime. Cases have ranged from the murder of Christina Abbott, a high-class escort who was killed by a sadistic client, to the Peru 2, a pair of young women convicted of smuggling drugs in South America. Whilst always respectful to the victims of these crimes, we do like to tell each story in our own unique style, with humour and lots of f***ing swearing. Join us every Wednesday for a new episode of Seeing Red, a true crime podcast, wherever you get yours. And we're back from the break. Pepe. Now, famously, um, regular uh, guest Alan Alger has been saying all season that he doubts his technique, Pepe. Now, for me, that, I never understood that. I've had this conversation with him to his face a number of times. For me, like, it, again, it's, it was just the confidence factor. It was so obviously just a confidence factor for him and, 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 you know, getting used to, A, the fact that he's playing with a subpar team, bunch of fucking idiots. B, you know, adjusting himself to our game, to the, to the English game. And C, just having a moment of luck or the moment where what he's trying to do works. But the technique, his dribbling, and his and even, even, even in that tedious first 60 minutes of football last night, he was still, I thought, our brightest prospect, still making those dribbling, dribbling runs. And then to, he scored two brilliant free kicks. And that goal, brilliant technique. I'm just saying, I think, I think he's proven there's no questioning that's not been the issue well we need to see some consistency now but did you see alan smith's comments on on sky last night he was saying we might have seen the start of nicholas pepe's arsenal career here tonight in terms of his presence in the team and i think there's that belief because freddie again going back to his interview after the game was asked exactly that by the sky reporter have we now seen the start of nicholas and he sort of went back and was like no this is a brilliantly 
you know, talented, quality individual footballer who is, you know, growing in confidence and finding his way in, in the club. You know, making that point that there is a quality yeah. player in there. But look, no doubt, you cost that much money. You're Arsenal Football Club's record signing. People want to see you do it every single week. But he was the most um, positive player last night. Yeah, I think far. There were points he gave the ball away and it was frustrating. Uh, but there were lovely points where he got round people, made things happen. He just spent quite a lot of time on the floor last night, actually. Oh, because, and he needs to get up when he doesn't get decisions oh, a little bit some, quicker. No, no, no. But, he but got yeah, the, Chris, the Cresswell one was terrible. Was awful. awful. Should have been sent off. Yeah, but yeah. there were other moments who didn't get decisions his way and he then, you know, sat there stropping on the floor. But I'm sure that will, you know. I know, but, when you, but I think it's understandable. When you've been, when you've been fiercely fouled, uh, you know, a number of times and, and, you know, I think the referee should have taken a harsher, yeah. harsher, that's fair enough that he's going to be pissed off, isn't he? But what, I thought he, I thought he was the brightest spark and I just think I'm actually now, you know, again, two weeks ago when he wasn't being picked, um, he was like, what, what the fuck have we done? You know, we spent 72 million on this dud. But I think that's moronic because it's like, you know, people are so impatient, aren't they, these days? He's clearly shown in fits and bursts that he's a really good player and then last night I feel like, I'm not saying he has to play every single game from now on. It's, it's everything's changed for me, but that is what he needed to score an absolutely fantastic goal. It was such, it was an excellent finish, really. And as I say, Pepe, our expectations as a fan base, you know, he was he was doomed from day dot, really. But when do we spend that money on a player? And for him to come in and for all of us as fans to ex- expect the world of him straight from the off was always going to be tricky for him. And I just think we need to get used to. Having having a, a a really exciting winger in our team, we haven't had yeah. one for a while. Who that profile of player, it's not going to work out for them every time. You look at some of the the great wingers in the Premier League over the years, even Raheem Sterling and Mares, City's ones, Dan James at Man United, who's having a very good season. I'm sure their fans are just as frustrated with their wingers as well because they were trying to take on a, a player x amount of times during a game. It doesn't always work. They don't always get the better of their man. Mm. But you have to keep going, keep persisting with that. And then that one bit of magic... Yeah, it's the most exposed position, isn't it, on the field, the winger. It's always been that way. And people get most frustrated with the goalkeeper. No, no, no. I mean, in terms of, like, you're supposed to beat the defender every single time. And if you don't do that, you're... And you don't do that, you're like a loser. Okay. And that's what I mean. It's not... I I don't mean... Goalkeeper, if they make mistakes, is a disaster. Yeah. But I just think the pressure is on the winger. They're the one expected to do something. And you're absolutely right. It's interesting, because Gary Neville's been saying this for years, that the key to the City-Liverpool kind of success is their making sure that their players in those positions get better and better and better. You know, we've seen with Raheem Sterling. Yeah. Um... And I think that's why we... Did you see the report Ornstein saying that um, Emery wanted Zaha? This is exactly what I was ah, just about to yes. come on to. Yeah, that Ornstein said that, that he was, Emery was overruled. Yeah. And that he also wanted Harry Maguire. I think, yeah. The, the well, I mean, you know, so. we're never going to spend... How much did Harry Maguire cost? 80. 80 million. We know, I mean... A million pounds. It would have been nice to spend that amount of money on, on a defender, but it was never going to happen. But I think yeah, Zaha... We spent, what, but the Zaha... What 10% we, of that on WWE. But what did we... Th- I, I'm pleased that, he has, that they overruled him. That we went with Pepe I mean, Zaha's got one Premier League goal this season. Yeah. And compare that to Pepe, he's, he's already beaten that. Yes, one against Aston Villa from the penalty spot, but... As I say, Pep- yeah, it's not. I mean, it's two v one. It's not a landslide, is yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. But I know. But people are giving Pepe a hard time when he's been, he's been in the league a matter of months. Zaha's been here. Yeah, Zaha shouldn't need to adapt to the Premier League in a way that obviously no. Pepe does. Yeah, absolutely. And I know you can say he's, Pepe's playing in a better team. What, is he actually? Well, not the well at the moment. The league table would say yeah, yeah. Would say barely. Not. So I, I think yeah. as a fan base, the, the treatment of Pepe has been ridiculous. I know it's frustrating when you're 
watching a match at home or you're in the stands and we're losing and you just want just come on us and why can't we get through why can't you just beat your man and go through but it's that's part and parcel of that position not every time I'm sure if you ask a Liverpool fan Mo Salah I I saw a stat before uh, before the weekend he missed X amount of clear chances not everything Salah Mane do is perfect and by the way it's a very good point because it took years people forget that it took years for um, Klopp to get that front three working as they do now. Yeah. It wasn't an instant thing. That, that honed and refined them. They got better and better and better to the point where they're now yeah. incredible. But it, that wasn't like that two, three years ago. They, you know, they worked at it. And I think, yeah, you're right. People have no fucking patience whatsoever. It is infuriating. And also just forgetting how, you know. I mean, I've been impressed with Pepe all season. He's been the least, certainly he's been the least of our problems. You know, the fucking midfield and the defence is where the problems There's been lie. moments where you've been disappointed, surely. No, no, absolutely not. Because, because exactly what what Sam's saying is that I don't I don't expect him to come, to be scoring goals and t- and, and and doing brilliantly every yeah. single game from the start. I, I would have stuck with him. I was annoyed when he was dropped. Well, maybe, I think I, I think I remember saying that I think it him. might work out for the best to pull him out a little bit and then bring him back oh, in. Well, could, there were, there were poor that. moments. I think Man United away comes to mind where you know there was a poor performance and you yeah. expect more early on. I think that's fine. But and we can't get too excited from the this, fact he's had a good game last night. Underachieving, Man, I want to see Man City have a similar impact on the game on Sunday. Yeah, but we can get pretty excited because that's once you see what someone's capable of. People were doubting we've had a glimpse. Of that. When people are saying he hasn't, but isn't that the problem with so many Arsenal players in the last yeah, five yeah, years? No, Glimpses. Of course, we're all you don't know. But what I'm saying is, people were doubting his technique. Well, I think last night he showed he has got the no, skill okay. and the and take the, the point. He is, you know, and it's just a question of doing that week in week out. I mean, you know, who, fuck knows. Maybe maybe he won't play against City and we won't see him in football weeks. But I, 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 think, I think, again, that he's going to be tempted to play that. Play. What yeah. have you made of the latest on the managerial situation? It's been amazing that there's so yeah. lack in, in terms of a favourite from the bookmakers. Usually there's noises, there's a clear favourite, things get done. The betting market, I mean, that's what I generally check every, every night just to see if I've missed something from the day's news. And, and the news from sort of today seems to be there seems to be a bit of rumours again for Arteta. He's back into being favourite, yeah. but only at seven to two, so it's not a huge favourite. Well, I think Ornstein, again, you know, pretty much as, as far as I can make it, everyone just follows Ornstein's. I mean, he's moving big markets, Ornstein, isn't he? He does, because he, he's, he's the. He's... Well, it's Arteta seven to two tonight, Lumbo six to one, Ancelotti seven to one, and Pat Vieira. That's interesting, because about two days ago, Marcelino was suddenly favourite, wasn't he? Because was, he was in London. Um, but he might be going for either the, Ever- the Everton job, even though Everton isn't in London. Yeah. But he could still be having meetings. Um, and but I, I here's my thing about Arteta. I think Arteta will get it. I tweeted a couple of days ago. It looks like Arteta because I think once Ornstein says they're interested, they clearly are interested, and they clearly they clearly are. He's clearly in, in the process in this ludicrous process of like their fucking shortlist of like every single manager available in the world. Who apparently then can interview. For me. It's like, well, if they're doing that process with him again, and they, they, they interviewed him last time, they practically gave him the job until suddenly at the last minute they decided to go with Emery because they got cold feet. They can't put him through that process again, can they? And not give him the job. So for me, it's like, well, if he's in the process, he's probably going to get it now. And I, I, part of me thinks, just fucking do it. You know, is, what is the point of this very Arsenal-like... Do other clubs like... You can know, I give you a when theory? Top, let me just finish this so quickly. When Tottenham got rid of Poch, they immediately they got... You know, Marino in about an hour. You know, most big teams, 
they get them, they sort it out, and they they decide who they're going to go for, and they just give them the fucking job. They don't have an interview eight people with and have fa- spreadsheets and five million different people on the board have different opinions and all, and they just change their mind at the last minute. It's only Arsenal that does that, isn't it? And I just want them to just fucking make a decision. Well, that surely is just faith in Freddie. That they think, no, we, here we have a guy oh, no. at the club who no. we have faith to just see us through this period. I, steady I have faith ship. in him. I, don't think, I think they just don't know what the fuck they're doing. Yeah, I, think, I just think there's more incompetence from their side, yeah. really. There's well, t- no, you, many... don't, you can't just let Emery stay there. I mean, the, him, the images of him on that touchline against Frankfurt are like haunting of him just looking so unsure what to be doing with himself. You can't just let the guy stay in charge because you don't have someone ready. Oh, no, I'm not They've saying that. You're totally understanding what I'm saying. No, 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 no I'm but they, it, that. If they don't have about? a manager ready, lined up to come, you can't just go, all right, you know what, Emery, just stay there for the next no, but game, I'm not, stay I never, there for the no, next no, game. No, 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 I'm not saying that. I never said that. You've totally misunderstood what I'm saying. All I'm saying is that it was absolutely right to get rid of Emery. But now. But now, decide who you want and get them. Don't have a fucking interviewing eight people and don't let it be decided on who has the best, I don't know, presentation, you know, fl- flashpoint. But they've print. got to get it right, boys. This is the biggest appointment at the club in yeah, but, a long time. But that's, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Don't, it, it's them thinking we've got to get it right, so therefore going through this ludicrous process. It's not The Apprentice. It's not a series of The Apprentice. It's, it's just, you just target one person and go out and get them. It'd be good if it was. you think one day there will be a sort of TV programme I mean, where loads, like of people, anyway. loads of people get together and like over the summer and the, at the end of it, you know, they become yeah. manager of like Russian and Diamonds or something. I think there is a TV programme there, Boyd. We should talk about it. Absolutely. Who, who would you want us to get, Sam? Uh, I, I think I've heard you two actually say you don't want it, but I'm Team Arteta. Are I'm you? Team Arteta. And I know there's been people saying... We've got Freddie. Why do we need Arteta? Sim- similar mm. profile, age, yeah. playing experience. Freddie more of a legend. Freddie more of a legend. Yeah. Well, Arteta's Arsenal career was quite anonymous, really, wasn't yes, it? Yes, exactly. Um, at, least you, at least you admit that. Some people fantasise that he was... I mean, he was so, no, he so was mediocre two, for me. Two, two good seasons for us, then <laughs> yeah, his exactly. legs went. But Thank I think similar profile, yes, in terms of age and, as you say, playing experience at the highest level. But Arteta could be a completely different coach to, to Freddie. And I know people would say... Um, he hasn't done it. Where's, where's the evidence? He hasn't managed a, a game in his life. I just, I can't help but get that, the pep seal of approval out of my head. Mm. The fact that he's, I know you're shaking your head. But no, I can't. I, I, I understand it. I think in the way that there has been such division in the Arsenal fans, and it's always been like, Wenger in, Wenger out. Emery in, Emery out. Arteta will just be exactly the same from about a week in. Be like, those that want the young, unproven manager, mm. and those that are like, Enough of this shit. We need an experienced man who's managed Premier League games, who's going to stay the ship, push us back to being in the top four, and let's see how we are looking I, in a couple of years' time. I, think, I genuinely think... It's going to be divisive. I mm. think every, any appointment is going to be decisive. Not, maybe well, not to... If a, I said not, Ancelotti's not, coming, how divisive would that be? Still, I, people say it, a bit of a blus, busted flush, really. You look at his Napoli team. It's all, it's, I know there's a few politics going there, but it's gone to pot a bit. Napoli, I know his Premier League record, very impressive shouldn't have been sacked by Chelsea a season after winning the double. But I just think, maybe not to the extent it would be if you hire Arteta, but there would still be division with, with any appointment. Allegri is incredible on paper, but the, the lack of English it worries me. Just because our fans, we, we did suffer under Emery of not being able to 
just decipher and <laughs> understand any... what fuck he was saying. Yeah, basically. But wasn't that as I, uh, for me the Emery um, communication issue wasn't so much his lack of English because he kind of did know English words. It was that he has a bizarre way of communicating anyway. Mm. And I think even in I think it was just his way. He just had a really odd way of speaking and a kind of very mm. jittery unclear generally just he, everything was too confusing with him whereas i think I, I i can't imagine that allegri would be like that so i know i think that's the only doubt about allegri is the language yeah. we have also seen managers come to the premier league yeah, not speaking great Loads english and even yeah, Poch is a very easy one my problem with arteta but. i suddenly really and i have i'm not i haven't been in favor of Arteta, but i really i've really started to worry about it because i think I feel like the fans, like the big fans who are pushing for him, you know, the, 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 the kind of bloggers. The Twitterati. Know, the Twitterati. They want to be right, you know, more than anything in the world. You know, our fans, modern day fans on, on Twitter and, you know, blogging and all of that, they want to be proven right about something. They want to be seen as the cleverest people in the room. So a lot of those kind of people are going, Arteta's the guy. Because even though he's never done any, managed a, 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 first, a, a, a game in his life, he's, he's connected to Pep. He's quite, you know, he's got that kind of hipster vibe about him, and they really would love it to have been right about him all along because we wanted him all along. Where, and I, I don't want that. I'm, I'm not, I don't give a shit about wanting to be right. I just want the best fucking person right now in the world, the most qualified person. And I, I think it's a bit of a fantasy to think that if we got Arteta in, that everyone would be really patient with him because he's, because he's, you know, he knows Arsenal, and he'd be given the time to establish a plan. I just don't think that works anymore in football, you know. And I think it might work with someone like with, with at Chelsea with Frank, but he he was he is experienced. He has managed, doesn't he? It's like people keep comparing it to him. Yeah, no, he did. That and he's, he is a legend for Chelsea. So it's like this a unique situation with Arteta. Not only is he not an Arsenal legend, he was an Arsenal fucking mediocrity, as far as I'm concerned. Yes. I'm being harsh, but he's definitely not a legend. He also has not managed one senior game. And there's absolutely no evidence in the history of football that number twos necessarily are anywhere good as brilliant, brilliant number ones. I just don't fucking see why everyone's so obsessed with him. I know, I, I, I do agree with what you're saying, but there's just part of me, he... But aren't you just hoping? There's... It's just a fantasy. That he, I mean, he might be good, but you have no idea, do you? Really? Well, I mean... as I say, you just go, you just go off, off what you hear and the stuff, for example, from Pep when he's talking about certain things i think he cited a liverpool game a couple of seasons ago where where um arteta put together a plan to nullify the threat of salah and, right. and things like that it's just little things like that that but that, you, yeah if, but don't you look at right sorry i'm i'm interrupting you let me i look at pep and i go the one of the big reasons why he has been such a, a, a huge phenomenon is his personality he is the most charismatic person in football. Maybe Mourinho close and similar factor, actually. That you know. So I think most football managers, when they reach a certain level, probably have a tactical brain. I mean, Emery was weird. <laughs> I admit that. But do you know what I mean? I feel like, I don't feel what with Pep, it's like the... Ta- and so I'm sure Arteta has got brilliant tactical ideas every now and then, or maybe every week, who knows? But I don't see a great charismatic grand master of, of, of getting players to do what you want them to do that you've got with Pep. And you've got with Marina at his height and Wenger at his height. And I think we need that. That's why I feel we need, uh, right, particularly this bunch of useless tossers who are capable of underperforming week in, week out. I think it needs a really strong personality, but I'm, I'm ranting again. Kick up, kick yeah, up it's a real, it's a lit, absolute, maybe Arteta would be like that, but what, what's the evidence? Is that kind well, of. You, you, hear, you hear stories about him being a bit of a d- d- divisive character 
as, as a player at Arsenal, not all the players in the dressing room at the time got on with him. Right. Uh, there was always like a bit of friction between him and Gazidis in the yeah. end, which ultimately cost him the job effectively. So I think you know there's there's things that point towards Arteta not being a, a bit of a yes man who who, who they keep labelling as. I, I just for me it would just be a, a, an exciting appointment and a risky one, yes. But as I say, the alternatives don't don't excite me that much either. Uh, you say the name Ancelotti, could he really... Allegri be... wouldn't excite you? Allegri, as I say, his CV, five Serie A titles in mm. a row, two Champions League finals. Who are we to turn our nose up at that? Mm. A, does he want to come? Because there's still the oh, talk of... I mean, fuck knows, but... And, and B, it is just communication thing. It, and I know that sounds quite simple, but... It's so important, especially at this time. We need someone who we can relate to as a fan base. Mm. It's so it's so divided. What then. what about why? For me, if you're going to go the ex the ex player route, what, why wouldn't you go Vieira over Arteta? Because Vieira has got experience. He also, I know he hasn't been. A, I'm not saying he's been a runaway successor in these, but he at least has. You know, in theory, he's tried to get them playing good football, hasn't he? From what I hear, yeah. I'm not saying well, I don't watch them week in week out, but they, you know, he's had a claim from trying to get them to play really attractively and, and positively. He is an Arsenal legend. Yeah. Yeah. I think he would be a less divisive figure than Arteta if you're yeah, going. I, I do. I do agree. He would be less decisive. And um, Vieira is someone I wouldn't necessarily be opposed to, be opposed to coming in as well. I think that would, you know, be mm. this this mood that we've got with Freddie right now times that by a thousand as well. You, you work in, in, in among football journalists, and you are, you know you are a football journalist. Um, <laughs> you, do you hear? Do you do you do you think that we are going to make an appointment anytime soon, or do you think? that they're going to be tempted, as we're saying. Do they think they have enough, this faith in, in Freddie, that they think, oh, let him carry on for a while and we're not going to rush into it, it a la what you were trying to say? the end of the season. Do, you, do we really think they're going to do that? Do you, uh, I don't think it's impossible. But what's your feeling right now? What do you, what do you think is likely, that they were going to let him go on or not, or do they make a quite quick appointment? I don't think it would be a quick appointment, but I also don't think it will be to the end of the season. I think, I, I think right now they believe they're in no rush. And I also right now believe that they're incompetent and they can't actually make a decision. So mm. those two things, they don't think it's a pressing matter because they see the fans chanting Freddie's name. Yeah. So they think, OK, we've brought ourselves some time here. Especially they, after last night's game, by the way. I mean, if, we'd have, if we hadn't have been, won that game, I think it would have been a big difference. Yeah. yeah. And, well, look, if you, that's the big thing we're saying about how it can go either way, yeah. right? Yeah. Lose last night, lose yeah. against City, and genuinely we could have been... More or less in a relegation zone, halfway through a Premier League season. At that point, you can't just let you yeah. know an interim manager sort of you know sit there. But I just think if we can, you know, let's say even we lose against City and we do okay at Everton and Chelsea, and we just can keep this run going. I can see it lasting for quite a while. This little yeah. Freddie adventure in the in the um, post match um, uh, analysis last night on Sky with Jamie Carragher and Rafa Benitez. I was to mention that quickly, because they, they were absolutely brilliant. And Rafa was, was incredible. Um, and uh, what I thought was, he made a couple of really interesting points. The two that I thought were, were really interesting, he said one game can absolutely transform a team and a manager. And he said he was one game away from yeah, being sacked. Yeah, so 2-0 down at half-time. Um, and then, and then they won the championship. And he said, and that, he said that game last night could be the turning point. I mean, you know, we'll see. And I thought that was really interesting. And then... Well, um, I must say, amongst the fans last night... Yeah. Of course you're going to celebrate every victory, but 
all the players coming over at the end. Yeah. Freddie coming and giving yeah. it to the away the fans. The hug between Fred and Pepe was brilliant. I really enjoyed, haven't enjoyed, yeah. a, that is the most enjoyable yeah. moment of the season and it was, by was, a mile. Right, and I said, it was that contrast at the end of the last game when they're all fucking being horrible to each other. Yeah, it was so miserable. Yeah. To, to lovely, that lovely, those lovely scenes. I think as well, did you notice, I'm pretty sure that um, Socrates was crying. I thought he was crying. Did you see this? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Big We've, emotional. Yeah, big Freddy, emotional yeah. thing. Last week, fucking fuck. Because, yeah, he did. He was crying at the end of the game. Just, just the relief. Crying the fucking... in disbelief that he got given a game after what he did in the boxing well, at Southampton <laughs> yeah, the other week. I, I can't even remember the last time a, um, a manager of ours came on the pitch to do anything other than moan at a referee or a yeah. linesman. Yeah. When was the last time Emery or... Well, I think Freddie has to play up to it. I don't think Freddie can just stick in the touchline. Like, he had to come over last night. He has to try and boost morale with the fans. You know, oh, but I think, I don't sometimes think it's the manager sort of I don't think back. it's contrived. I no, it's I agree, just... but he has to be. He has yeah, to sure, do it because sure. at the moment, it, but if is, lost, it isn't fun. Like that. Well, against of course Brighton. not, but I think <laughs> he had to go over. Tunnel, like, yeah, last... Thank you. Yes. Sorry, Sam just made a good point. <laughs> against Brighton, he straight down. Yeah, went straight down. Of course, but I think he had to sort of take advantage of the opportunity last night to come over to the fans to... You know, show sure. a bit of unity. Yeah. Um, it was really enjoyable, yeah. which hasn't. When have we said that? Yeah, and look, it was the first game we've won by more than a goal in the yeah. Premier League. You've know, been banging out that stat of course, all season. Yeah, of the first time we've won a game away from home in the league when they're being behind at half time in eight years. <laughs> so that shows some character as well. So there are some positives to take. I mean, was we'll... it Ozil's first victory in his last twelve league oh starts God, or something? Really? There were all these wow. like things that have yeah. gone. Yeah. All these things that you can. We should say West fingers. Ham were fucking shit. West Ham. Uh, I mean, terrible. I'm thrilled. I'm delighted. How they beat Chelsea over there, I don't yeah. know. But, but the other thing, so the other thing I want to mention from the analysis was Rafa saying that and generally being fascinating about, you know, he was dem- physically running around the studio demonstrating how, where defenders should stand in relation to attackers. And then um, Jamie Carragher made the point, which I've been thinking about for ages and ages and ages, that isn't sometimes, shouldn't you just, and he was talking about our front players, just let the front three or four do everything in terms of attacking together and not and everyone else just stay there in their position and just let the front fucking do it and I've been banging on about this for ages because it's kind of what Liverpool do and I know you know every now and then their central midfielders will do something amazing and then way better than ours but basic and they only I kind of think they only do that when the opportunity sometimes arises but basically they often have a really defensive on paper midfield two or three who just fucking stand there and Torreira you know mostly didn't he last night even in the boring, in the terrible first half, it was more disciplined, I felt. And I felt like that's why Guendouzi wasn't picked. Because Guendouzi, love him as we do, or, you know, in terms of his enthusiasm, he fucking runs around like a headless maniac. And I just feel... And, and, and this is what I think Carrie goes, absolutely right, shouldn't he just... I wish we just had some level of determination to just... The defence and the midfield, stay where they are, just keep your positional um, responsibilities and let the, our brilliant attackers do what they do. Yeah, but effectively you split the, the yeah. pitch in half, don't yeah. you? It, it's it's an interesting it's an interesting point, you, but you just have to look at compare it to Liverpool. The quality of their midfield, as you I say, know. compared to ours, for, for being. But Liverpool fans, it. a lot of Liverpool fans hate Henderson, for example. Like they've hated him. A lot of them, are, and he's like their Jacker, you know. And a lot of them yeah. have a go at him as much as we do Jacker. Now Henderson is for me like ten times the player Jacker is. But for Liverpool fans, he's always been. He's been. A, and now you see, he just gets more and more confident because. They, they're very disciplined in the way they play most of the time. And by the way, when, when he, so he asked Rafa Benitez that question about 
And he was like, yes, absolutely, that could and should happen, and that's a really good point. And he was talking about how the midfield, they'll have to you know, make sure they're, they're disciplined and stay in a line behind the, the attackers. It was so interesting. It was such an interesting tactical insight, proper tactical insight that I think you don't get. But anyway, I'm banging on. We should talk, talk about what we think is going to happen in the next couple of games. We go to Liège. Yeah. Famously, um, was it 7-0 we won there in the 93-4 season en route to the... <laughs> cup winners cup final I yeah. Eddie McGoldrick scored a, a wonder goal it's one of the first games I can remember sort of staying up and watching on the ITV wow. sort yeah. of night um, hopefully it won't be a reverse because if we lose 7-0 we're going out so I think it's 5-0 yeah, right. we need to avoid a 5-0 yeah. defeat boys yeah. are you confident of avoiding I a 5-0 defeat of, I am although I think he may end up playing I was thinking about this he may end up playing with a, a central defence of Louise and Mustafi, which will be kind of literally like the worst central defensive partnership in the history of the world ever. Um, but I'd rather they, he played Louise on Thursday and not and stick with, this, with Chambers in the centre I think it's going to be a very young team. I think he's going to take a view that whatever team he puts out is not getting beat 5-0. Oh, I think it'll be a young team as well. But I, also, I think he will play, I think he'll play, you know, the players that didn't play in the, in the league game. Yeah. I think Lacazette will probably play, for example, maybe. Or at least come on. I don't know. But anyway, I don't know. I don't, we'll think, I don't think it'll be that scene. There was a there was one of the journalists was saying that maybe a Bola, the young defender, is going to get given a game due no, to the number back. of yeah, due to the number of sort of injuries that there are in the. Well, in the we've just got Kalasnach, haven't we? So fair enough. Yeah, and we don't want Kalasnach to play three games in in whatever six, five or six days. Yeah. I think yeah, it's a, good, it's a good chance to see. I think Freddie should see it as an opportunity to play the the team who. Brought him so much success last season with the yeah, and he knows threes. those players, the likes of Robbie yeah. Burton, who came on the the, the preseason tour to America. Well, Smith Rowe will play. Smith Rowe, if, if he's fit and firing, Mavropanos is he? Is oh he yeah, fit? I forgot about Mavropanos. Um, so Reese Nelson should play. Reese Nelson, yeah, Tyrese, I'm sure Willock will play. Saka. Yeah. So we've we've got yeah, a whole yeah, yeah. we've got yeah. a whole other eleven. We could yeah, we could uh, oh, that'd be fine. Could use. It'll be fine. What are our predictions for that game then? What do you think the score's going to be, Sam? I expect any any team. I think it's Liège. You know, they've not turned up any trees in in this group at all, really. So I think any team capable of a nice tight three-two win. Three-two, interesting. I think we'll go down to a two-one defeat. Oh, okay. But with a very young side, that it won't be too uh, too problematic. I think it might be a like a two-all draw. I think. Yeah, I mean, it's worth mentioning that whilst it's incredibly unlikely that Liège can advance, they, uh, you know, they, they can get above Frankfurt. They do very much have something to play for. They're two points behind Frankfurt. Right. So, obviously, Frankfurt are playing Victoria at home, so there is an expectation they'll win that game. So, it will probably be out of uh, Liège's hands. But there is this also thing about winning the group. Would, uh, would it wish to be beneficial to Arsenal? But I suspect we'll end up coming second in the group. Right. Uh, that's fine. Anyway, the big one, City, at home. I mean... Well, it's not as scary as it could be for a couple of reasons. We've seen <laughs> United go to City and, yeah. you know, really surprise everyone in the way that they managed to yeah. you know, the last reduce time City, City in terms of duties. And then in terms of Arsenal just winning last night, it does mm. feel like a different game. That said, we'll lose 2-0. And that said, in the last time City lost a game, a big high-profile game, they, they kind of beat someone 8-0, didn't they? Was it, who was it they beat? It was Watford. Uh, Watford, isn't it? Yeah, they do tend to... Yeah, they respond. bounce back. They, how was the last time they lost two league games in a row? Does anyone know? I'm, no, I'm throwing That's that a great in. question. But I, I'm... Substantial amount of time. <laughs> yeah. I'm strangely optimistic because I look at City, I, I watch that United game, and I do see a team sh- short of ideas, short of confidence and short of ability 
especially defensively. Defensively. I don't know. I, think I mean, you still take their defence even with Fernandinho above ours. When you, ours. Yeah. Kyle Walker, yes, please. You know, even if it is, what, Fernandinho plus one, is it going to be Otamendi? I don't, I don't know. You, you, I, still, I just think they're... They their should... goalkeeper, Edison, is brilliant. Oh, yeah. I, I just think they... I think they've got too much quality. I just think they'll be, they'll be scared of our, of our forward players. It feels like a free hit. Do you agree, Boyd? It feels like a free hit now. Um... I won't go that far. No, I won't go that far. I think I think it's less. It's more of a, a hit. It's it's less nightmarish than it would have been if we hadn't have won last night. So yeah, there's there's some. Free, I don't think it's a free hit. I think I still think if we go if we're beaten as we would have been, you know, four or five one, you know, as you'd expect. I think if we'd have lost last night, I would have absolutely felt a slaughtering would would be on the cards. What are you looking? The at last betting? time Manchester City oh, yeah. lost consecutive league games was December. 2018, they lost 3-2 oh, okay. at home to Crystal Palace and then got beat at Leicester. So, okay. A year ago, then. Uh, a year ago. It's December. Hey, yeah. It can happen again. Dodgy December. Um, I just feel... I don't think they are necessarily... Maybe they'll be a little bit scared of our... <laughs> I, I, think, I think they will be. I think okay. the play... I look at Otamendi and I see... A, oh, and I, I, all I, of that... We see opportunities. Yeah. And, and, and maybe will, set pieces and we'll get opportunities, but we still have not played a great 90 minutes of football... This season? Is that fair in the Premier League? Yeah, we played, absolutely. So, we played which we're going to have to do. If we're going to beat Man City, we'll get some. We're going to have to play that, great for 90 minutes. one great 50 minutes, really. So, you know, well, I'm, I'm, I think the first half at Watford... Yeah, right, I'm, I'm, exaggerating. I'm exaggerating. I'm, I'm fully aware there is... So, there is what scoreline are you predicting, Sam? Well, just, I'm, I'm fully aware there's zero evidence to my claim here, but I just think... I've just got a strange feeling, and I think we we'll, might nick a 2-1. A 2-1. Do you know talking about just being hugely positive? I was mm. on the train yesterday to West Ham with with Ricky, and we're both being really negative about, you know, Arsenal and the performances. He went, what do you think? And I said, I, th- I fancy us 4-1 today. Really fancy. He goes, don't be ridiculous. And we're joking about it, and I thought, well, I've got to put a bit of money on it. I've got to put a fiver on it, just in case. So I've stuck my fiver on 33-1. to one. I'll tell you what, when Aubameyang oh, had that yeah, chance yeah. with about two minutes yes. to go, I, everyone, around, you know, oh, all the what? mates around, we were up, yeah. hoping to, uh, spend the, sp- to spend the 150-odd quid on the way home. But it wasn't to be. But I was still, didn't, say, didn't ruin the night, Good. pleased to say. Good. And what's the score? What do you think, Boyd? I said we're going to lose two 0 But what do you think? I think we're going to lose. I think I think it'll be like two one. Yeah, two yeah. one. Yeah. At least at least Boyd thinks we'll score. I definitely think. We I can think we'll score. score. I think we'll score. Yeah, I, I do. I, I really hope he plays. I mean, much as I, I I bang on about Lacazette and how he should always play, but I hope he plays sticks with that front lineup of um, Pepe, Martinelli, Özil, and um, Aubameyang. But anyway, we will shall see. Sam. It's been a joy. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Sorry for, for keeping us. you for hours. Um, uh, small delay to tonight's small podcast. Delay. Not that anyone listening no. on a podcast would have a clue. Exactly. No, thanks for having me. Um, thank you, Josh. We'll um, be back next, back to Mondays. Monday, yeah. Why, why the hell Happy not? Mondays. Yeah. Bye. This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.